it's a lot more sustainable if you're doing uh, a, if you're building a platform and talking to people because you want them to know about this topic than if you're oh, I've got a financial planning business or a money coaching business and I need to build an audience. Welcome to Reputation Revolution. This is the podcast where we help individuals like you to establish your voice in the marketplace, enhance the credibility of that voice, extend the reach of your story and your message, and finally, extract value from your efforts in building a meaningful personal brand that's both recognized and respected. Now, on with the show. Alrighty, welcome back to the Reputation Revolution. My name is Trevor Young and this is the podcast, the show, the video show as well now and soon to be a newsletter. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, this is where we talk all about personal brand influence, building a credible personal brand uh, in today's reputation economy, doing it with with respect and heart and authenticity. My guest today is building a movement and I'll get her to explain a little bit more about that. Her name is Belinda White. Uh, she's a blogger and she's uh, do very deep in the world of finance and uh, she's ticking a lot of boxes when it comes to building a personal brand. So let's dig into it, shall we? Uh, Belinda, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for joining for us. Um, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, I wanted to be a fashion designer or dress designer, as I used to call it. And then I realised I have absolutely no visual literacy and no creative design in the visual world. <laughs> Makes it a little tough. <laughs> <laughs> I just really liked fashion when I was a little girl. Um, then I had a phase of wanting to be a lawyer, but I'm, that was a very, sa uh, very good save that I didn't do that. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you're on, on a different path today. Do you want to let us know? Um, you've sort of got, you know, your day job, but you've had this sideline um, blogging, uh, I guess, project that you've been doing, initiative, yeah. uh, for probably about five years now that I've worked out. Uh, can yeah. you tell us um, a little bit about, for those who don't know, you, a little bit about your background, and then I want to dig into um, what you're doing around building that personal brand and, and building a movement around what is called Fierce Girl Finance. Love the name. Yes. Okay, great. Um so my blog uh, and platform, I like to call it, yep. is Fierce Girl Finance. And what I do is make women excited about their money, friends with their money and investments and, you know, teach them that it's something that's really available to them um, to invest, to save, to build their wealth, and then they don't have to be scared of it or put off by, you know, boring men in suits <laughs> using big long words that they don't understand. So, yeah, I've been doing that for about five years. Um, my day job is in financial services. I work uh, as an investment manager these days. Uh, so my job there is actually very similar insofar as I have all these investment teams and gurus uh, and I help them tell their story to various, you know, audiences, media particularly, but also to our clients and, um, and internally as well. So... There's a lot of crossover because yep. I take really kind of complex technical information and I try and make it interesting and compelling. And it's a, it's a great thing there because your vocation is, I guess, comms, communications and all yep. that pertains to it. Uh, but your passion is 
you know, finance and numbers and edu and educating people around that. So it's a great example. Which I never expected to be my passion. <laughs> Let me tell you, I stumbled into it. Well, I know a lot of people in communications haven't come from being in that space for some three decades. And uh, I can tell you not many of them have been good with <laughs> with numbers. So yeah. uh, it's, it's great to yeah. see. But I, I mean, in terms of that, it's a great little sort of lesson, I guess, in terms of, you know, if you've got these skills, but you've also got this uh, passion and a desire to educate uh, in a different field, but you're using your uh, vocational skills, as it were, um, to to uh, further that along. It's a it's a great thing to be able to to combine all your skill sets and your and love of what you do. In terms of um, so, you, I'm glad you use the word platform, and and I like you know using the word platform often too. I mean, it's it's probably been hijacked by the social media companies, and they say we're a you know a social media platform, but really a platform, uh, particularly for authors and stuff, is you have a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast, and you have your your social channels, and it really everything comes off the back of that. You've done that with Fierce Girl Finance, and it has a blog at the heart. Can you walk us through some of the elements that? Uh, and how you're building the building out the fierce girl finance blog and the elements that go into that. Like you know, you, I think you've got an email uh, newsletter as well. Yeah. So, you know, I should start at the beginning when I first started blogging. It was about PR. I had a blog called Getting Past PR, and it was because I realised that I was I was a consultant at the time in a PR agency, and I. I felt like I had a view on everything and, <laughs> about PR and clients. And I was like, oh, I should just write about this. And I'm really glad that I did because um, it, it made me kind of fall in love with writing again because I was so used to writing for everyone else. Mm. Um, when you're a PR person, you just become everyone's ghostwriter yeah. and then you forget that you have your own point of view um, and that you can shape a story the way that you want to. So it was actually a really great process for me of like coming back to writing for myself. Yep. Um, and then I had, I had a couple of blogs and played around with things. And then uh, while, uh, you know, it was, I think it was about 2014, uh, I was working on Money Smart Week, uh, this, this kind of uh, pro bono financial literacy initiative, and I was doing seminars to the PR teams in my work. PR, a lot of PR girls, actually, because <laughs> it's agency. And someone said to me, like, you're so good at explaining this. Why don't you do something more with it? And so I was like, you know what? I should do that because I really, I believe in the concept of women taking control of their money. And I just, I think so many people, but women in particular, get socialised to believe that it's too hard or too complicated it's, you know, they don't belong there. Um, so I just thought, I'm just going to write how I would talk to my friends. Yeah. So if you read the blog, it's very much a conversation. It's very, you know, second person. I want you to do this. I hope that you could do this. Yeah. Um, and so then there's a, there's, I, I like it. I do have an email database as well um, that basically get the blog posts. Yeah. Um, the Instagram is quite, I, I, I liked playing around with that. I've done bits and pieces with Instagram Reels, um, you know, and, and Facebook is almost useless these days. Yeah. Um, it's 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 like hygiene to have it, but nobody's on there. Um, there's I don't yeah. and I don't stick. I don't put any money really into this. 
uh, unless I absolutely have to. Because I made a kind of deal with myself a while back that I didn't want to make money out of Fierce Girl Finance because, A, I don't want it to be kind of compromised by sponsors or yeah. that kind of thing. But also it takes the joy out of it for me. I feel like I'm doing it, you know, to impress people, um, you know, to get particular numbers. I just want to do it because it's, you know, my passion. Yeah. So I do it all on a shoestring and so I've got to rely on organic reach. So it's interesting you say that about uh, Facebook, really, because, you know, I know a lot of people now who have got Facebook, but I, I love it that you, you use the word hygiene. Uh, that's probably the way I look at it too, but I never thought of using that word to describe it. Uh, and that means, you know, in, our, in the PR world, it's just, you know, to have it as because you're kind of expected there, you drop stuff up on it, but it's not something that you're going to, um, it's sort of more just general day-to-day stuff without, you know, making it your main platform uh, because you're right, it, you know, people are there but they don't get to see your stuff unless you pay for it and, you know, if you're doing something on the side, um, why would you just give it to Mark Zuckerberg uh, if exactly. there are other ways of building your own media channel, which is, you know, getting readers yeah. to your blog and and, and yeah. also being able to uh, communicate with them via email. Um, tell me, do you think that, so it sounds to me just from what you said that by the act of blogging helped you find your voice. Yes, very much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it is, it's a real thing if you are in PR and communications in particular, or even if you're a professional writer, that it's so easy to just get caught up in other people's narratives, um, writing for a particular voice or, you know, just, all you write is media releases, this kind of thing. You know, it's funny because my mum still doesn't have a huge idea of what I do for a job. <laughs> <laughs> for years I'd be like, hey, read this article that I wrote to, you know, my friends and family. They'd be like, um, that's not your name on it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously. I'm in PR. I don't get my name on anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually, yeah, it was a really good process to be able to find my own voice, which is really the voice that I would use when I speak to people. Um, But, you know, obviously with a little bit more care and consideration, I'm also a, I'm I'm a pretty ruthless editor of my own work. Like I, if I, if in doubt, cut it out. So I I will write and then I will cut. Um, And I think that, you have to sort of be able to kill your darlings a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Kill your darlings. Um, and, yeah, if in doubt, leave out the old newspaper saying it's... Uh, yes. It's, it's... And, I do, and I also have some draft posts that never went anywhere. <laughs> it just kind of went to the draft graveyard. But I, th- I think you, you raise a really good point there, Belinda, and that's, you know, a lot of people who write... Uh, if they're in professional services or whatever, and 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 their writing's probably going to be quite formal, and blogging is not about for in most cases not about formality. It's about more conversational writing. I mean, I came mm. from journalism and then PR, and you know, I've I had probably a bit more of a formal style, and over the years, I became very conversational, maybe too conversational with my writing, but it's it really is. Any much more an enjoyable read because it makes it a little bit more accessible, doesn't it? When it's it's a little bit more casual and conversational. Yeah, I mean, if it feels like you're talking to a friend, and I've got to say, uh, it's hard to predict which posts will get a lot of traction. Uh, so sometimes it feels a little bit like I'm feeding people the vegetables. <laughs> in that, I'll, like I wrote one last week or the other week about what's happening in the markets with. Um, 
inflation and, you know, some economic indicators. N- nobody comments on that shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, the, the, but the, I can say with, with great conviction that the posts that get the most are the ones that are the most heartfelt, the most raw, the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's surprising to anyone. But sometimes I'll I'll be like, wow, people really resonated with this. Um, and sometimes like a little bit off piste, and I don't. It's not like a straight money post. It will be like, hey, and, and you know, it'll be, hey, here's a here's an idea about life or emotions or, or mental health or whatever. And I and this is also how it applies to your finances. Yep. Yeah. And that's because our money doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yep. You know, it it is part of our life and emotions and, and mental health yeah. and you know we all know that if you're in a bad mood and then you spend money there's a whole set of emotions to get <laughs> get kicked off around that um Indeed. particularly now online where you can just press a couple of uh links and all of a sudden yeah oh, what did i spend that so, much so you know i do find that that the more honest and authentic and vulnerable that you can be mm. the more people respond so tell me this, in terms of, you know, when you get some people who write blogs and they, every post is trying to be a winner and SEO within an inch of its life and, you know, you're in a in finance and, and finance education and that side of things, which is, I would imagine, incredibly hard to win the SEO war on. Uh, how do you approach it? It is really uh, you you write on things that um, are interesting to you, do you yes, or do you 100%. think about your audience first, even though it might not be interesting to you and just do the basic stuff or tell, walk us through your, I guess, your editorial strategy in that regard yeah. and, and is SEO a thing for you as well? I think I think editorial strategy is a stretch. <laughs> Basically, you know, that is one of the reasons that I don't try and monetize my blog because I, I, don't, I don't want to be writing. For the brief period when I was trying to write to for a specific purpose of building an audience or whatever, I found it very, I, I kind of sucked myself out because I thought I, I'd overthink everything and will people want to read this? Will they like it? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so I found that it was actually much more enjoyable and much more freeing to just write based on like a conversation I had with someone or, a, you know, something that I saw someone do and made me kind of spark a thought about it. Um, you know, it's just insights that I have from from life yep. and from, you know, whatever I read online or whatever. Um, and I find that that's, I mean, my SEO comes from the fact that I am writing in a very specific space. Like every time I'll do a, ta- I'll tag, you know, my post, it'll, there'll be the same things that come up over and over again. I'm yep. talking about investment and finance and mortgages and uh, whatever, whatever the terms are. So in a way, it it does have its own SEO by just being really focused. Yes. Um, but I don't write for SEO. For SEO, yeah, um, yeah. In, in that sense, because I'm not, I'm, I don't have a commercial, re, like I don't have a commercial reason that I'm doing it. Yeah. And in terms of the, um, I guess, you know, in, in that regard, do you, do you stick to a, uh, I guess a publishing rhythm. Some people have to be quite rigid. Others are, you know, I talk about planners versus pantsers. Do you fly by the seat of your pants or uh, plan? Yeah, I'm a, definitely a pantser. Definitely a pantser. Okay, I was, I was <laughs> thinking know, that. I mean, I'm, I'm like that with my whole life and my work. I, in my career, 
so PR is and comms is is a melange of a lot of different skill sets. And I'm a creative person. I'm a word person. I'm very I'm analytical. Don't love process. Hate spreadsheets. Work in progress documents are not my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> Luckily, I've mostly been surrounded by people who kind of balance that out. Yeah. Um, so with my blog, I do really kind of just let the muse guide me mm-hmm. on, I, you know, I, t- I do try and do weekly posts, but sometimes the muse just deserts me and it'll be because I've got other stuff going on in my yeah. life. or And I used to get a bit down on myself about it and now I'm like, you know what, Belinda, no one else, no one's like checking, refreshing their inbox to see if this girl finance coming this week, <laughs> you know, like, so because it is a passion project, I tend to have like big creative bursts and I'm like yep. writing all the time or like I was doing all these Instagram reels every day. And then sometimes I'll just be like, I can't think of anything that anyone wants to hear about <laughs> right now, so I'll just not say anything. <laughs> I probably psych myself out a bit there. To be fair, you've blogged very consistently. That said, you've still blogged consistently. It might be not might not be at the same time. You know, I know some bloggers and they have to be the same time of the day, same time, same day every week, uh, and that's the way they're wired. Others that uh, fall into that camp, the, your camp, that, you know, you can consistently putting content out but it might not be on the same day every week how many posts do you reckon you've done over the five days uh, five oh, days five years, five years. Oh, that's a good question i probably if i averaged it out at one a week yeah. and then it's so i guess two, 50 times five yeah, 250 like, yeah 250 yeah, 300 maybe, yeah. maybe not that much yeah. maybe 1500 or 2000 I never thought about it like that. So <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's really. Um, I mean, it's really the uh, the um, the consistency though that going back five years, you, but you're still going after five years. Whereas a lot, you know, pull ups, dumps yeah. pretty quickly after yeah. five months or five weeks. Yeah. There's a lot of blogs and, that haven't been you know published on after a few months. So yeah, and, and, and I think I. I I look at some of, I wouldn't call them competitors because that's not the right word. I, I look at other similar um, outfits in this space, you know, talking to women about money. And I I like to say I was into it before it was cool. <laughs> it was, there has been a really big explosion of it in probably I'd say the last two-ish years. Yep. Um, maybe two to three years. It was a little bit ahead of the curve. Yeah, but then I know that there's other bloggers who've come in, and not just bloggers, you know, podcasters as well, who've come in and totally blitzed me in terms of readership and reputation and and visibility. And I used to get a bit like, oh, what are, what's so good about them and what's so bad about me? And then I'm like, you know what? You can't spend your life comparing yourself to other people. Like a lot of those ones who have really big audiences. You know, they've either made a connection with, you know, a podcast that has, you know, brought them to a much broader audience or they have, you know, a commercial imperative behind them growing it, which, which I don't. Yeah. Um, and what, and, and there was a couple of years there where I actually had to take my name off the blog because of where I was working and they wouldn't let me have my identity on there. They saw it as a brand conflict. And um, so that kind of, really hampered me in terms of what I could do publicly. Mm, mm, um, mm. It was, 
it actually was, it became a deal breaker for me. It's actually one of the reasons I left that job. Um, and, you know, so I, I do it because I love it and I believe in it. And I think if you get really like bound up in all the stats and if you, if you sense yourself too much and if you think too much about what you're trying to, or how big your audience is or whatever, then it just, it can take away some of that joy. And maybe that is the bloggers who only last five months rather than five years, because not that there's a right or a wrong reason to do it, but it's a, it's a lot more sustainable if you're doing, uh, if you're building a platform and talking to people because you want them to know about this topic than if you're, Oh, I've got a financial planning business or a money coaching business and I need to build an audience. Like it's a very different or reasons yeah. coming to the keyboard. Or we're seeing now with the creator economy, someone builds a, a newsletter or a podcast or a blog or a YouTube channel and builds the audience and then monetizes it as well. So, um, yeah. you know, there's a newer sort of thing that we're seeing now as well. Yeah. And you know what I love about what I do is I've met some amazing people and, you know, particularly women in this space, working in this space. I've made some really amazing friends. Um, and because we're all working for the same for the same goal, which is to empower women through their wealth, yep. you know. And, you, you know, you can't have genuine equality of rights or opportunities if you don't have a quality of wealth. Yep, yep. And that, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So I want to now shift gears into earned media. So you're in the PR game, so you you earned media. PR, darling, PR. Yes, it will be uh, very close to your heart, but earned media being any any sort of, I guess, third-party media coverage that you have earned, not purchased, but you've Mm. earned the right for someone to talk about you, list you, quote you, interview you, et cetera. Uh, Just doing some Googling of you, uh, you pop up everywhere you so <laughs> you know why because i'm a pr bitch <laughs> <laughs> but i reckon uh, and i and i we haven't spoken about this but uh, you know you're either pitching yourself out or people are coming to you i probably think it's more the latter um, it's both actually yeah it's i go through I got a half right then. <laughs> well you know I, I say this to clients all the time you know you would pick you up you have CEOs who come to you and say, I want to be on the speaking circuit. And they, and it's like, well, you know how you get on the speaking circuit? You do, you do your earned media, you do your PR, you do your thought leadership, and then people see you and they invite you onto the speaking circuit. And it's the same with earned media of any type. If you are putting out content, you'll get a bit of word of mouth. The first, actually the first media op, I think, or maybe the second media op I got, was a friend of mine who knew someone at Mamma Mia and that and just was maybe shared me on Facebook and Mamma Mia came to me and said, like, do you want to do some content with me? And so um, randomly the Daily Mail came to me. I don't know how they found me. <laughs> they did a profile on me. I, I would never have even thought to pitch myself to Daily Mail. Um, and so it is a, it, any earned media is a combination of what you are proactively pitching And so then over the years, I've pitched myself to, you know, um, Yahoo Finance. They they love a bit of women and wealth stuff. Uh, 
sometimes I pitch stuff to Mamma Mia still. Um, you know, and and I yeah, so you've got to pitch yourself as well as then people see you and it becomes a self perpetuating yeah. cycle. Yeah. And I think that if you're not from a PR or media background like I am, it, it might be a little bit um opaque about how that kind of works. But it is it's a bit push and pull. The more you're yeah. out there, the more you get asked. Correct. Um, and so I would I would say the same thing for me. So that's 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 correct. You know, it is push and pull. So the pull is you're out there with the profile. Uh, you, people can see your bona fides. It's there in all the blog posts you do and the social media posts you do. Um, and so if you get on people's radar that way, we know that works. And if you want to take it up a notch, well, then you start pitching uh, a story idea. How, how do you go about uh, pitching uh, at the moment? Do you just – you've obviously got the contacts – uh, and then do you pitch story ideas or just you generally, yes. I can write something for you or do you go to them with specific ideas and they say yes or no? Oh, mostly uh, like for, like for example, financy, I'll write a post and I'll say, Hey, are you interested in this? Um, and she'll sort of top and tail it for her audience yep. and then, and then use it that way. Um yeah, a couple of things with Mamma Mia I've I've done bespoke for them. Um, sometimes they've just reblogged me. Yep. Um, so it's a it's a bit of a combination, really. Because I am like a pen for hire, I can kind of do whatever people yep. need, yep. Um, which, you know, is a good skill to have. But, I mean, I would say if, for anyone that's out there trying to build their profile, you if you if you get to know a few key publications in your space you'll know what they want yes. you'll know what works for them and the thing that ugh, i can't i can't communicate this strongly enough if you don't understand the publication you're pitching to mm. they will know <laughs> you know, know like quickly it's the first rule of pr like journalists hate like I've got a friend who runs like a HR recruitment publication. She'll get, you know, PR girls ring up and go, all oh, guys. You know, they put the juniors on the phone and go, uh, I've got this story about this new pet food. <laughs> I just wondered if you're interested. <laughs> like that's a, Look, that's probably a, an extreme example. But if you genuinely read and understand the publication that you're pitching yeah. to, then you're far more likely to be able to give them content that they're interested yeah, in. Yeah, 110%. And, you know, pitch them an idea that you think will really hook them in. You've only got the, the email subject line to really hook them and that in the first, if that gets them, they'll read your first one or two yeah. paras, but like, you've got to nail you it in that time. This, mm. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're pitching whatever it is, Pet Food Daily, would would you as a reader of Pet Food Daily click on that link? Like that's what you need to, yeah. to think about. And I think a lot of people, especially who are not from this background, they think it's a supply and demand thing and they think I want to tell you what I've got to offer rather than yeah. I want to give you what your readers want. Perfect. Yeah, you're, you're spot on there. And how, how, like, so you've had a steady stream over the years now of, of media, I've seen you listed as one of the stars of Women and Finance. I can't recall offhand what the. Oh, can I just tell you my, my hot tip for anyone in this space trying to build a reputation that I always tell people and tell my clients: <laughs> the only barrier to being an expert is basically calling yourself one. <laughs> if, you, if you say, "Oh yeah, I'm a finance expert," nobody questions you. 
you know, as long as you, women, it drives me nuts. I, you know, I'll put women, I'll give them media opportunities, like women that I've worked with over the years in particular, um, men a little bit, but much more women. You'll be like, oh, I've got this offer for you. Do you want to speak on topic X? And they'll be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really like, I don't know if I'm an expert enough on it. And I'm like, trust me, you're an expert. <laughs> the hurdle for being an expert is saying you're an expert. I mean, obviously you need to know what you're talking about. Yeah. But you don't need to, like, for example, I don't need to have a PhD in finance to be able to talk to women about how to manage their bank accounts. Yep. No, I do have a postgrad degree in finance, but it's not like the super hard one where I can manage your investments for you. Yep. But I can tell you the difference between an asset class. You know, I can tell you the difference between equities and bonds. Yep. You know, so I'm not completely talking out of my ass, but, but so many women don't put themselves forward because they think they're not a perfect authority on something. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're probably right. It is that, you know, there's a, a gender issue there, but I found that people generally, and the more, the more experienced they are, the less likely they are to put themselves out there as well, which is, yeah, it's a bit which of is really you interesting. Don't know, you know what you don't know. So you think like, oh, well, you know, if I, you know, I see this, like, for example, in like a big growth industry at the moment is uh, ESG and green investing. There's no specific, like if you're an investment manager and you've got the Chartered Financial or, or you know, Association CFA badge, then everyone agrees you're fully qualified in, in investment management. It's different with like kind of green and ESG investing. So it's a contested space in a way like, or it's an uncontested space in a way like you can say you're an expert, for example. Um, but, you know, it, it's really like there's no test. There's no test to be um, saying. So a lot of, a lot, and there's a lot of women working in this space, like, oh, I'm not an expert in this. I'm like, well, compared to most people, actually, you are an amazing expert in this. Yeah. Just because you don't have the badge or the designation doesn't mean that you're not an expert. And you know what? And and the best thing about confidence and maybe sometimes, you know, pitching in and doing the media stuff can be a roadblock really, you know, if it's done too early and maybe just the writing and finding your voice is a really good way to, you know, whatever the topic is, you know, uh, yeah, show, I agree. You know, show and demonstrate that you know what you're talking about, and that way you don't yeah. have to tell because you can say, "Well, have a look at all my stuff. I'm bona fide. I've been writing on this for you know a year." Um, yeah, and that makes it. Yeah. I guess you know when a journalist goes to check you out too. Do you you know do you come up in their eyes because they don't want to make a mistake and put you know someone on who doesn't know what they're talking about as well. So what sort of yeah. proof points have you got, um, whether it's on your LinkedIn page and you're sharing good content there or whether you've got a blog on medium.com or on the company page or your own or whatever, these yeah. things are really good pointers for journalists. So if you are, you know, concerned, you're someone who's pitching out but you're a bit concerned that you might get, you know, in their quotes, uh, found out, um, I always think that having that owned media channel, which you've done with your blog, is is a terrific way to build that confidence, uh, particularly not just for yourself, but confidence for the uh, the journalist or the podcaster if they're going to be interviewing you that you uh, yeah. you know your stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, your content will speak for itself in terms of your level of credibility and your level of expertise. And I'm not saying like you should be a charlatan and, you know, just make make stuff up. Yeah. I'm just saying that a lot of people don't recognise their own level of expertise because they work in it or they operate in it all the time. So yeah. often to them seems like everybody knows this. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I can't tell you how many people... Like I talk to about, for example, um, you know, just create, I think um, it's the, the term that Scott Pate, the barefoot investor, uses is, is buckets or something, but just managing your bank accounts in a way that helps you with the cash flow, right? Mm, mm, mm. It can be life-changing for people, you know? And if I spent all my life thinking like, well, I'm not a banking specialist or I'm not a financial advisor, um, then I wouldn't go around and share that information of like, hey, here's a thing that that I learned from a money coach, and you might yep. you might find yep. it helpful too. Um, if I look, I'm not out there giving personal advice. I'm not telling you to invest in company A over company B or invest in asset class A over asset class B. I'm just saying, this is what asset asset class A is. This is what this is what this asset class is. You make your own decision. I'm here to educate you. Yep. So if you come from it as an education point of view, yep. then that's what you know. That's how you that's how you can work effectively, especially in a regulated industry like finance. Yeah, and I guess you know, there's not much new stuff in finance, really. A lot of you know, there's so much. There's just new ways to explain new ways it. to explain it, and new voices. And, and you know, some might do it in a highfalutin way. Some meet, people might really dumb it down. Some people might be in the middle. Some people might do it with humour. I mean, that's the key to finding your voice, which is pretty important, particularly if it's in an industry where there is, you feel like there is a bit of uh, uh, competition out there and, and a lot of people writing on the same sorts of things. Yeah, and knowing what you're good at. Like what I'm really good at is coming up with metaphors and similes. Yep. So I won't just talk to you about diversification. Like I'll explain it as say you've got your shoe wardrobe, you know, and here at one end you've got like really high heels that you can only wear out to dinner. That's your alternatives class. And then down here you've got like your really boring ballet flats. <laughs> that's your fixed income. You know, like I know that that's my skill and that's what people find interesting and helpful. So that's what I play to. Yeah. Um, you know, is really kind of explaining one thing in terms of another. But that might not be your skill. Your might school might just be able to break things down into really simple steps. Yep, yep, yep. No, it's true. And then, you know, if you've got a frameworks and models on top of that, that makes it even better. But you're right, it's the way that you, you explain it um, and, you know, and explaining it that way over and over again um, through different mediums as well. Tell me, with the earned media, did you find that earned media over the journey has really helped the blog? Mm. Yeah, I remember, um, like, it's a lot of chipping away. Like, there's not, you know, it's not like I had one post that went viral and all of a sudden I had 10,000 subscribers or something. But, you know, I remember I did this one that ran on Mamma Mia. It was just a reblog about, like, New Year's money tips. And... People just really got into it and were really excited and I got a lot of followers that way. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it really is. There's no silver bullet. No, there's it's, not. If you want to build an audience, for good or for ill, you've just got to chip away, mm. work out what you're good at. Like like when I said I'm, I'm good at metaphors, I only know that because I've been working and practising the craft for a long time. 
Yeah. Um, you can't just focus on your email database. You can't just focus on your Insta. You can't just focus on your earned media. You can just kind of chip away at all of those things and then they kind of feed into each other. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, also meeting people. Like, I tell random shop assistants about my blog because you know, I'll, I'll be at the counter and we'll be talking about bank accounts or something and, <laughs> you know, like not that I'm trying to sell the blog but it comes up and I say, oh, yeah, I teach women about money and they, they say, oh, yeah, tell me where. And I think so, that, that's, that that's the key is that always sort of being, you know, everyone's an influencer so you don't know if that shop assistant has actually, you know, got a got a decent uh, Twitter account or something and can yeah, go and check you yeah. out. And I guess the other part of it is that I I like that you've said that even with the earned media, it does it's not a silver bullet. A lot, I think too many people, and we've both been in the industry for a very long time, but, you know, particularly when you're dealing with, you know, experts and thought leaders and people who, you know, want to put their personal brand out, they're all CEOs and leaders, and they, they think that, you know, oh, I've just got this coverage that's going to be great. It's just one part of, of a patchwork quilt of things. Um, it really I, is. I remember um, Tim Ferriss once saying that he got a uh, an article in the New York, New York Times, I think it was probably around the four-hour work week, and he said it didn't even move the needle um, mm. on sales of the book. But then he got something in TechCrunch, I think it was, and it just went nuts. So yeah. sometimes and, and I actually, just, hmm. I, I met this um, blogger, a guy, um, Steve Camp, who's a fitness blogger, and I followed him years ago and we ended up meeting up for a drink in, randomly in Paris. Love story. But, um, and he said the same thing for him. Like he just did this one particular guest post on an, on someone else's blog and it just totally just put a rocket under his mm. readership mm. base, you know, just really. And, and I think guest posts are a really good example as well of yes. um, earned media yeah. that probably get. I don't know, they were really cool a while back when backlinks were all a thing. But, um, you know, guest posting or re reblogging. Um, yeah, so when you're saying reblogging, you're saying that with Mamma Mia, for example, which for overseas listeners, it's a, a quite a big, uh, well, it's, it's a women's blog. It's, it's a women's that. media it's a, platform. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, um, an online platform that's quite big. But it's they basically are syndicating something that you've already put on your blog. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. guest blog. With, with a very light touch. Yeah. And then there's, there's you know, opinion pieces for, a, you know, a, a, an industry magazine and or an, an opinion uh, piece, um, you know, for a bigger blog. And then there's guest posts for smaller blogs as well. So sometimes it's yeah. the smaller things, as you've noted, that, you know, they chip away and they can uh, we call it the rolling thunder strategy. You build up, build up, build up, yeah, and you yeah. start with smaller. And sometimes, you know, that might end up in something bigger. Um, but, it, you know, it's better than just trying to throw all your... Uh, and you can't predict it. ...into the big basket. <laughs> yeah, you can't predict it. Like, no. you know, if I get one of my internal clients into the financial review, it's it's great for me. I look like a hero. Does it get more money in the door for them that day? No. Hmm. Does it help build their profile as a credible influencer over time? Yes. <laughs> Does it make them look amazing next time they get Googled? Yes. <laughs> you know, it, it's valuable, but it's also valuable doing the chipping away at the trade media day in, day out. Yeah, 100%. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the end game then? You do, you've done some events as well. So really f oh. from blogging. <laughs> My first and only live event. 
was literally, I think it was like the 5th of March 2020, oh. <laughs> two weeks before lockdown. <laughs> oh, no. That was, that, was a, that was literally face-to-face, was it? Yeah, I had the banner made. Oh, my had God. The wine and cheese. It was a great success. And that was the last time I did one. First, oh, so you just beat lockdown. That would have been just before lockdown. I just beat it by a couple of weeks. Whoa. And then... So that so talk, walk me through that. I mean, is that that's a big thing to do a like it is it a ticketed event? Uh, yeah. I mean it was it was good because I did it with some uh industry contacts slash friends that I have. Um so I I had a panel and I did a bit of a presentation. Uh I mean, I, I press ganged a bunch of my friends to come along <laughs> hmm. um, and their friends and also obviously Fierce Girl followers. Uh, it was it was really fun. I think it, it worked in terms of I got the v- venue for free, which was um, provided by another um, finance, financial services um, company. They already just have an immense space, so they gave it to me. Um, it was really good and it was really engaging. It was just like amazing but terrible timing yeah and i just think in-person events actually i sat down with one of the women who did that with me i sat down with about three or four weeks before last lockdown and said let's do another event soon (laughs) i should not plan any events (laughs) don't go organizing any more events you have the power ahead and did did some webinars yeah. um in the in the last lockdown um as a kind of experiment yeah. and uh, you know it, the first one was really popular the second it was more general it was like money management kind of cash flow management the t- next two were progressively less popular i think because i got more and more specific on the topics mm. uh, which is fine right like that's really um, counter though i mean a lot of people say it's the other way around you've got to be really specific uh to get your right audience so that's interesting well i mean there's a lot of people women who want insight and help with how to improve their everyday it's called like get your shit together with money yeah um but you know like in a sales cycle only a few people at any given time are interested in how to get a mortgage or their superannuation or it's really hard to get people excited about super <laughs> but i just accept that yeah but they, i guess that's you know the, so the example there is you know you start blogging um things happen you get to meet people you get speaking opportunities you create your own events you can do webinars uh but you know apart from the blogging there's you know being on linkedin and instagram and maybe facebook if you want to put a bit of coin behind it to get it going uh but that's that's really the 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 whole of the pie isn't it for you what's the end what's the end game for you then what do you think um do you think it do you want it to go into something bigger or it sounds like you're just happy for it to cruise along or i really i really love doing events like i love teaching in in person i would like to do more actual in-person events and seminars and that kind of thing uh, I think partnerships are really good. You know, yeah. like I've I've spoken at a couple of um, events organised by other um, kind of initiatives in this space. Uh, I'm doing some pro bono work um, here and there. So I I wouldn't say I have an end game. I, I have a desire to continue contributing positively to this space. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. When you work in finance and PR, you don't really feel like you're saving the world. You know, like you're not you're not feeding hungry children. Um, so for me, 
having a side hustle where I can have a positive impact and feel like I've maybe improved a few people's lives. Yeah. I, I think that's that's what gives you the, you know, it takes what is a career that is uh, less meaningful and gives it more meaning. Yeah, yeah. And you have a manifesto of sorts on the on the, oh, on yes. the website as well. So how important do you find having having a manifesto um, and putting that out there? Is Was that something that came easily or did it? Uh, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I wrote, I, I, I wrote a lot of... Um, I wrote a lot of that stuff when I set out and I haven't changed it a lot yep, because yep. I had a very clear vision of, of yeah, what I wanted yeah. to say. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that that you might not have had a plan, as you said, not everything's planned, but you do have, uh, have a, mission. a purpose and, a, and a, a vision and a mission. So that just goes to show how important that is because that keeps you on track. Uh, but even though the content you're creating and the 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 ideas and the the headlines and the hooks and the angles uh, might be a little bit last minute, so um, do you, I, I would find probably think that because you are so uh, you know mission driven in that regard, when you do come up with a story idea or an, an angle for a blog post, it just becomes a natural process. You'll yes, say, oh, that's right much. for it. No, nah, that's not over there. Do you find that that's what, with having a mission like that, no, nah, that's not right for the blog, that is, that is, and same with speaking engagements or anything else? Yeah, I am I would say I'm not, I don't overthink it. I yep. just, I'm very intuitive of, like, this is a message that I want to get out or this is a person that I want to partner with or this is yep. someone that I want to talk to. Yep. Um, because, uh, yeah, my mission is to empower women through their finances, yep. you know, and that can take a lot of form. Of course, um, but you're always coming back to to the same to the same purpose. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, thanks very much for your time, Belinda. Where can people find you? No doubt, you're going to send them to Fierce Girl Finance. FierceGirlFinance.com.au. Yep. Or my Instagram is Fierce Girl Finance. Fantastic. And if you if you go there, you'll see everything. Um, and you can follow me and learn about how to empower yourself through your money. And if you're listening to this and you want to check out how um, Belinda, just put Belinda White and Fiscal Finance and you'll see all the 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 uh, earned media and the, and the editorial coverage and exposure yeah. that she's got. And a lot, of, a lot of that is because, well, most of it has come from blogging and then all the other things that happen in and around that. So Yeah, lots, lots of PR. And sometimes people say, what do you, what do you mean fierce, fierce girl? And it's like fierce, like Sasha Fierce, I say. Like Beyonce. Oh, yeah, right, right. I get it now. There's a lot of Beyonce on the blog. Excellent, (laughs) excellent. All righty. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for talking to me. The reputation economy is here. The world today needs more genuine, credible experts and leaders to stand up and share their experience, their wisdom, their stories and ideas. Are you in? 